Today's going to be a little different. Um, we have, we're taking a break from Bible 101, which is a series of messages that, that we have been in, kind of looking at some of the most important passages of Scripture in the Bible for any Jesus follower to know. And, and today I'm going to share with you um, something that the elders have worked together uh, to form. It's a, it's a statement on baptism and what baptism really is. And there's a logistics reason that we're doing that today. Um, in a few more weeks, on July the 21st, we are having once again an event we've had a few times at Blue Valley called Burgers and Baptisms. It'll be uh, from 5 to 7 at Shawnee Mission Park, July the 21st. And what we'll do is we'll have hamburgers together and then we'll go in uh, to the lake itself and we will spend time uh, baptizing those uh, who are ready to be baptized. It's something we've always looked forward to. And anytime we've done it, we've always set time apart on a Sunday morning to talk and remind our church what baptism is. But the theological reason that we're doing all of this is because one of the things that we do as elders is we regularly go through what we call theological training. What we do is we make sure that we're exercising our, our Bible muscles and our theology muscles and learning to handle God's Word rightly because one of the primary duties of an elder is to oversee uh, the, the church and provide a doctrinal accountability to church. There's Susan Hayes sitting out there. I, I'm sorry, I have ADD um, and I need, I need you to know, and I just look, Susan Hayes is Micah's mother and I've known Susan for 28 years. So uh, it's good to see you. Julie, did you know she was here? Well, she's right there. Why don't you stay? There you go. There you go. All right. That's right. So what was I saying? Oh, so we go through, we go through uh, uh, training theologically as elders, and what happens is one of my friends um, that actually I get to, uh, starting this fall, co-teach with at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, one of the theology professors there, comes in. And we, we spend a, a Friday night and a Saturday morning going through a, a topic, and we prepare for that topic in advance. And the topic that we went through in February was baptism. So we spent as elders ex, um, several months exploring the, the topic of baptism, and then we went through that training together. And then out of that, we form a, uh, a statement on, on what we have learned that we present to the church so that you have um, some more detailed resources to understand a particular issue of church life or a particular um, part of doctrine. And so baptism is that, and I'm going to share that with you today. But before we do that, I want to give you not all of the scriptures that pertain to baptism in the New Testament, but I do want to give you a handful of them that I think really frame for us the the whole concept of what baptism is all about. So, uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them first to Acts chapter 2. That's where we'll spend all of our time this morning, in the book of Acts for the most part. Acts chapter 2, and let's look at this first passage of Scripture that addresses baptism that I want us to look to this morning. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. Peter has preached the first Christian sermon ever. Uh, the first sermon after uh, the resurrection and ascension of Christ Jesus, and he's presenting the claims of Christianity to the people of Jerusalem who had been responsible for crucifying Christ. And after that, they want to know what they must do in response. How do they, how do they repent of the sin of crucifying Jesus and embrace him as Savior? And so Peter tells them that, 
And in verse 41, it says, so those who received his word, those who responded to the call to follow Jesus, those who received his word were baptized, and they were added to them that day, that church, the church in Jerusalem that day, about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 people repented of their sin, of crucifying Jesus, and surrendered themselves to him and were baptized. And they, these new Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. That's the first passage of Scripture from Acts. Now, if you would please go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and I want you, if you would please, to find verse 35. Here we have a man named Philip, one of the early leaders in the Christian church, who is given an opportunity by the Holy Spirit of God to encounter an Ethiopian Ethiopian by ethnicity, however, he is a, a Jew by religious practice. We won't go into the details of how all that happens, but, but he's reading from the, the New Testament book of Isaiah, and Philip hears him and uh, needs this, Ethiopian says, I need help understanding this. And so in verse 35, it says, Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, which was from Isaiah 53... Beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus, about how Jesus was the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on rejoicing. So that's the second passage. Finally, I want you, if you would please, to look at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Paul is on a missionary journey, spreading the gospel around the Mediterranean basin. He is in a place called Philippi. He is imprisoned for what he is doing there in Philippi, and the Lord miraculously releases them, and the jailer who is accountable for them sees all of this takes place, and he believes and understands that these men have the truth about the one true God. So in verse 30 of uh, chapter 16, it says, then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him. They gave him the gospel. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. All right, we'll stop there. It's not all of them, but those are the passages of Scripture that really kind of frame our discussion this morning. The elders' document that they put together, which you will have access to on our church website tomorrow, I'll tell you how, frames the whole entire teaching about baptism around a handful of questions. Here's the first question. Question number one, what is baptism? Very simple question. When we're talking about baptism, let's ask ourselves, what is baptism? Now, Blue Valley Baptist Church is one of 50,000 Southern Baptist churches. We, as I saw uh, one guy I know earlier this week, are Southern Baptist in spite of all our warts and because of all of the good things we do. But we're a Southern Baptist church. And we partner with these other 50,000 or so Southern Baptist churches in an affirmation of our faith called the Baptist Faith and Message. So we want to look there first and foremost as a, for an explanation of what Baptists believe Scripture teaches about baptism. Let me show you what the Baptist Faith and Message says. It says this. Sometime. It will say this eventually. Maybe not. 
There we go. You know, uh, there we go. The computer has pneumonia as well. All right? Here's what it says. Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is an act of obedience symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior. The believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in the newness of life in Christ, Jesus. It is a testimony to his faith and the final resurrection of the dead. Being a church ordinance, it is a prerequisite to the privileges of church membership and to the Lord's Supper. Now, let's break that down because, again, we, we believe that this has weight because it summarizes the teaching of Scripture, all right? First of all, Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll get into more depth in immersion and why that is a little bit later, but the thing to lay on to here is that it is immersion in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In command, following the command of Jesus in the Great Commission, that we are to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Next, it is an act of obedience symbolizing, that's the key word, symbolizing a believer's faith. There are some Christian groups who teach that baptism and other things are sacraments. We, we do not teach them as sacraments. What's the difference? A sacrament is uh, something, and this is a broad generalization, but a sacrament is something that, in the view of the person speaking of it, dispenses grace, or it is a means by which someone experiences grace, saving grace. So I'm saved through participating in this act. Baptists like ourselves believe Scripture teaches plainly that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's all, and nothing needs to be added to that at all. And so we don't believe baptism is is the dispenser or the means to a salvation experience. We believe it is symbolic of a faith that we have already uh, received and that it is a testimony of that faith that we have adopted Christ as our Savior, that we have surrendered ourselves to Him. And being a church ordinance, being something the church practices, we believe it is the initiatory right of the church, meaning by which we become members of the church when we are baptized, and it allows us to be able to experience the Lord's Supper. So let's then ask a question. The question number one would be, if I've been baptized by immersion but in another church, um, does that mean I have to be baptized at Blue Valley Baptist Church in order to be a church member? And the answer to that's no. No. All right, let's ask another question. If I've been baptized at another church but it wasn't a Baptist church, by immersion, does, does that mean I have to be baptized at Blue Valley Baptist Church in order to be a member? And the answer to that is probably not. <laughs> probably not. Because we will accept for church membership someone who is baptized by immersion in a church of like faith and practice. And there are lots of churches that are baptistic in their theology but may not be Baptist in their identity. I'm thinking of a lot. In fact, most of our non-denominational churches are this way. So if you have come to us and said, I, as an act of obedience to Christ, because I've surrendered myself to him as Savior, been baptized by immersion, but it wasn't in a Baptist church like yours, then we will accept that statement for church membership. So 
What's baptism? Ultimately, here's the answer. Baptism is an act of obedience by someone who's given their lives to Christ that is a public demonstration of their faith in that Jesus. All right? Here's the second question then. Who must be baptized? Who must be baptized? Now, let's think about those scriptures that I read earlier. Uh, Peter preaches... People say, what must we do to be saved? Peter tells them, repent and be baptized at times of refreshing might come. So you, you think about that, all right? Now think about the Ethiopian and Philip. The Ethiopian uh, hears the claims of Christ, hears the gospel through Philip. He responds in faith and is baptized. Now let's think about the Philippian jailer. The Philippian jailer hears the claims of Christ, hears the gospel message, repents, and is, is baptized as a result of hearing that message. So the simple answer that we would give, based on what we read on, on, the, on the surface of things in Scripture, is that the person who must be baptized would be anyone who has given their life to Christ as Savior and Lord, who by an act of their will, having been presented the claims of Christ, responds to Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. That is why, based on what we read in Scripture, that is why that we as Baptists do not baptize infants. They have not had an opportunity to receive by an act of their will the claims of Christ and surrender themselves to Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. We will, you'll notice, at times baptize children, sometimes, in fact, very small children, but after we've had a conversation with them to verify that they do have a basic understanding of faith in Jesus and what it means to surrender themselves to Jesus. Now, there's a move afoot right now, a well-intentioned move afoot in churches like ours to delay baptism a very, very long time because we want to make sure that they know all the stuff they need to know. They need to know um, a, a sufficient amount of Christian doctrine, and they need to know what it means to be a part of a church, and we need to observe them for a long period of time to see if indeed they have the fruits of repentance in their life, the fruit of Christ's life in their life, uh, so, that, so that we can verify that when we baptism, yes, indeed, they are Christian. There's only one problem with that, and that is you don't see that anywhere in Scripture. In fact, in fact, if you go back and look at the first Christian sermon that was ever, ever preached, the one that Peter brings in Acts chapter 2, about the only Christian doctrine that you could verify that Peter understood in his life was that Jesus was Messiah and his sacrifice on the cross was the hope of mankind. And that was the cumulative total of Christian doctrine. That's all he is asking people to give their lives to. Right? He's not saying you must also be able to parse out Trinitarian theology and you must also be able to reconcile the existence of God with the presence of evil in our world. None of that stuff. Do you believe Jesus is the only hope for salvation? Do you believe the cross of Jesus is the only means by which we can be saved? You can respond to that, and if you can respond to that, you can be saved. And if you can be saved, then that person is a candidate for baptism, even if they've come to that understanding when they were quite small. So anybody can be baptized. Who must be baptized? Anybody that's given their lives to Christ and is old enough by an act of their will to say, I'm giving myself to him as my Savior. Why do we baptize? Why do we baptize? Well, 
We believe in a baptized church membership. We believe that everybody ought to have, if they're claiming to be a part of a church, made a common profession of faith in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And we do this, and you'll see this in the elder statement very quickly, we do this because Jesus was baptized. Now, his baptism was a little bit different than the one that we call everyone to, but he was baptized. We also see the command of Jesus was to make disciples and baptize those disciples. And then we see a continuation of that practice in the early church in Acts. When the gospel is presented, a call to be baptized is presented as well. So we do it because it is the plain teaching of Scripture. That's the simple answer. Now, the next question this is the one that was the most fun for the elders. When should someone be baptized? When should someone be baptized? Let me illustrate practice for us right now by using the salvation experience of my two children. All right, first, Caleb professed faith in Christ Jesus um, in the, about January of, of 2000. He had been asking a lot of questions. He was seven years old or approaching seven years old, been asking a lot of questions, and I knew he was getting close. And there was one day where he had to go to work with me because while um, he was old enough to be in school, um, he didn't have to go to school that day, but his mom, who was a school teacher, did a professional development day or something like that. So he had to go with me. And it just so happened that that day I had a funeral. So we go to this funeral, Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, it's one of the biggest things that ever happens in Lawrenceburg is that people die and you go to funerals. Uh, the food's good. Um, so, so we went to the funeral, and he's having to sit there on the front row, and you know, I gave him the dad lecture, don't you wiggle, don't you giggle, don't you do anything. And he was there, a perfect little gentleman, and he absorbed everything's going on. He's just thinking, all right, where's that guy? Where's that guy right now? And so we get in the procession going to the cemetery, and he asked me all these kinds of questions about where this guy is. We do the graveside, we go home to change clothes, getting out of the car, he accidentally closed his, his little hand in the car door, and you know, that sent him into orbit for a little bit, and because I'm a compassionate dude, you know, I <laughs> rub some dirt on it, it'll be okay. But I tried, to, <laughs> I, I, I tried to calm him down, got him calmed down, he went to change clothes, I went to change clothes, and then he came into my bedroom and he said, it's a good thing I wasn't killed by the car door, I'd have gone to hell. That's what he said to me. <laughs> And being very sensitive, I thought, maybe he's ready to get this settled. And so we had a conversation at the dinner table, and I explained the claims of Christ to him. And when his mom got home, I kid you not, he said, while we were in a parade today, that was how he processed the procession, <laughs> I, I really understood what it meant to give my life to Christ. He gave his life to Christ. Now, we lived in a small rural community in Tennessee. We were hundreds of miles from any family. There was no way anybody was going to get there. Caleb got baptized the next week. All right. Abby came to Christ in August of 2001 after she had uh, been to a, an event like Burgers and Baptism and seen people baptized. She came, got out of bed, came to me. It's time for me to give my life to Christ. The whole family got up. We sat around the din same dinner table that we were there with Caleb, and we talked about um, what it meant to be saved, and I drew out some pictures for her. She gave her life uh, to Christ that very day. And then we lived in Oklahoma, in northwestern Oklahoma. Uh, we were just a handful of hours away from a lot of different family. So we waited a few weeks till Labor Day, till everybody could be there, and then Abby was baptized. So one was baptized the very next week, and then one, because we wanted to wait on family, we waited um, a handful of weeks. 
All right, so what does Scripture say? What is the testimony of Scripture when someone professes faith in Jesus Christ? When are they baptized? In Scripture, 100% of the time, it's immediate. 100% of the time, it's immediate. It's immediate in every one of those passages of Scripture that I just read to you. They profess faith in Christ and they are baptized. In fact, one of the reasons that sometimes Baptists get worried when they read things, what must I do to be saved? And you see Peter saying, repent and be baptized, is because they see repent and be baptized as saying, well, he's saying the exact opposite of what you said earlier. He seems to be saying that baptism saves us, that, that we must be baptized so that we can be saved. And then I read passages of Scripture that says we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. So which is it? Is the Bible contradicting Itself, And what I would say to you is that every time we read those passages where we um, are, are seemingly being told repent and be baptized to be saved, we are, we are failing to see the immediacy, one than the other. In fact, if somebody came to me today and said, what must I do to be saved? I would explain the claims of Jesus to them, and then they'd say, I'm ready to do that. And I'd say, well, let's pray. Let's pray. And in the New Testament, in the early days of the church, the claims of Christ would be presented, and they'd say, I'm ready to do that, and they'd say, well, then let's be baptized. See, for us, prayer is the asking God to save us. In the New Testament, it was the act of baptism that was asking God to save us. In fact, there's a baptismal confession in Scripture that we all know that we don't see as a baptismal confession. I want you to look uh, on the screen, see Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That first verse, verse 9, is a baptismal confession. Very much like what you saw Why do with his son Caleb a few moments ago. He came into the water and he was asked to affirm all of those things in verse 9. That was the asking, that was the sinner's prayer of the New Testament was the baptism. So let's then get to the question, when should we be baptized? I am saying to you that as soon as possible, as soon as logistically possible, after professing faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says we should be baptized. But we do understand that there may be a slight delay because people do want to get family members present because they might be close. What we don't want to do is go months and months and months until holidays and separate the confession of faith in Jesus as Lord from the act that's supposed to symbolize it, which is baptism. So, how committed are we, are to, are we to that? We are this committed. Every single Sunday that you are present here at Blue Valley Baptist Church, as of, of a decision made by the elders just this past month, every single Sunday you're present, that water is warm and ready to go. So if you walk down and confess Jesus as Lord and, and call on him to be saved, then we'll, if you're logistically able to do that, we'll walk you right back there and we'll get baptized. That's how quickly we'll do it, all right? But that was a fun discussion among the elders and putting all of that together. All right, who can baptize? We'll move quickly now. Who can baptize? Well, the, the, the Bible is, is really not prescriptive to us 
about who can baptize, but we can say this for certain. The authorizing body of a baptism is a church. The church is the one that gives the baptism its significance. I've shared this story with you before. J.O. Purcell, rough as a cob person in the very first church I served as a pastor in rural Tennessee, came up to me one time, and because he didn't want his wife and daughter to make a big deal about it, told me I want to get baptized, but I want it to be just you, me, Jesus, behind the barn in the pond. And I told J.O., who could whip me (laughs) very carefully, (laughs) J.O., we're not going to do that. Because your baptism has no meaning if it's just me. It has no meaning if it's private. It needs to be a public declaration to a church family. So a church is the authorizing body. And we see several different people perform baptism in the New Testament. We see, for instance, John the Baptist baptized. We see all the disciples baptized. We see Paul baptized. And then there are allusions to others uh, baptizing. And you can draw the conclusion that many others baptized. For instance, the only 12 officers of the church on Pentecost, the day when Peter preached that sermon, were the 12 disciples of Jesus. And one of them was new because of of Judas uh, committing suicide after having turned Christ over. So there were only 12, and they baptized 3,000. Very likely others participated in that. So we don't have any hard, um, hard direction from Scripture about who can, except that the church is the body that authorizes. So here's what we do at Blue Valley. Here's how we go about this at Blue Valley. Number one, our elders are, as officers of the church, as an extension of the church, baptize on behalf of the church. They can perform baptisms. Our ministers, who are not elders, can do that as well. So that means John Wesley, and that means Jonathan, and that means Micah, and over at the other campus, that means AIM. They can baptize as, as officers, as ministers of the church. But we also believe that deacons can be permitted to baptize as well because they represent the leadership of the church. So there's no special thing in elders or in ministers or in deacons. It's just that they represent the church itself in performing the baptism. So, so who can baptize? At Blue Valley, the ordained men of the church. Finally, how? I, told, I, I said at the very beginning we're going to go back and talk about immersion. This is where it is. We, we believe that the, the very best way to follow through with the example we see in Scripture of baptism is by immersion. Part of that is just um, because of what it pictures. It is the best picture of our death to our old, old selves and being raised to a new life in Christ Jesus. It is the best picture. But it is also the very best explanation exegetically of what Scripture is saying to us. You see in the Acts 8 passage that that the Ethiopian and Philip go down into the water. Go down into the water. The, the word that is down into the water there is representative of baptism. So you could say, well, they could have gone down in the water and, and just stood in it and it would be poured or sprinkled on them. And that, that's true. That's true. But that's not the understanding of the word baptize that that undergirds our English word baptize. In fact, um, one of the most telling examples of this um, is in Luke chapter 5. Jesus goes 
um, to, the, to uh, disciples and he sees them fishing and they've not had any luck. He says, cast out your nets on the other side. And they say, okay. And they catch so much that the nets are about to burst. And it says the boat, they were afraid the boat was going to sink. The word sink there is in the, um, the family of words which is based on baptize. So it means to go under. You, when, when we see the word sink, we understand quite plainly that it wasn't to be poured on or it wasn't to be sprinkled. It is literally going under the water. So we believe that the best exegetical evidence says that baptism should be by immersion. Now, that statement that I've summarized for you will be on our church website by tomorrow afternoon, hopefully. And you'll be able to find that by going to About Us on the website and then Elders and then on the elders page, you'll see an elders statement page, and we'll populate that with um, this statement and then one other statement we have compiled together on church membership. And you'll also, uh, we'll make arrangements for you sometime tomorrow afternoon, hopefully, to be able to read that statement on the Facebook page so you can kind of go through it and, and see about it. So that's how you can access the information. We appreciate our elders putting all that together. But remember I said at the beginning... Part of the reason we're explaining baptism today is because we have this event in a few weeks called Burgers and Baptisms. And perhaps you have been sitting here and you've realized, you know what? It's important for me to be baptized. I've never been baptized as this church teaches it. I never have been baptized as, as I believe, based on what we've seen here together, as the Bible teaches it. And, and I need to do that. And here's what you can do to begin the process of of preparing for baptism, and even burgers and baptism. All right, Ted, if you will, uh, you've already got it up there. Burgers and baptisms will be the 21st from 5 to 7. It'll be at Shawnee Mission Park Shelters 3 and 4. If you want to talk to someone about being baptized at that event, if you would please text Baptize A for the Antioch campus to 913-270-3449, or you can call Susan in the church office starting tomorrow, and we will um, put you on the list, and one of the elders will contact you. We'll hear your story of following Christ. We'll answer any questions that you might want to uh, answer, and then we'll, we'll get you scheduled. But please understand this. This is important to know. Because of what the elders have come to learn about baptism and the importance of immediacy in baptism, um, this may be, I'm not saying it is, but this may be the last burgers in baptism because of the importance of doing it. And what we've noticed is that people say, I want to be baptized, but I'll be baptized next summer when we do burgers and baptisms again. And that gets the whole thing too, too far connected from the profession of faith. So I'm not saying it is, but it may be. And so if this is something that is of interest to you to be, uh, to be baptized, you've been wrestling with it a long time, you know you need to be baptized, you follow those instructions and we'll get things taken care of. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer together.